You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Our refresh series. We started it last week. Pastor Paul Reed spoke uh, about refreshing our faith, refreshing our faith. And we know that God is always doing a new thing. Correct, church? The Bible says every day His mercies are new. Anyone thankful for the mercies of God that they're new every single day? I don't need them every Friday or just every Sunday. I need them every day. And uh, we know that God is doing a new thing every day. But in January, we have an opportunity to collectively, as a church, come together and agree, God is doing a new thing. I'm gonna aim it over your, amen it over your life, and you amen it over my life. And we can have a focused time of just raising our faith level. And uh, you've got journals. I don't know if Pastor Paul's already mentioned it, but you should have a journal from last week. Um, if you weren't here last week, where were you? You missed it. Okay, first week of the year, we give journals out in church. But because we love you, we will give them to you on the way out today. Okay, so if you haven't got a journal, grab a journal. And in the beginning of the journal, we're focusing on one, two, three, four, five, the five Fs, where we believe that God wants to refresh these areas of our life. We also just wanna be super intentional at the beginning of the year. And we wanna say, God, help us refresh these areas of our lives so we can be diligent and useful to you. Um, And last week, we talked about faith. And this week, before I tell you what I'm gonna talk about, because I'm gonna tackle two of the Fs, two of them, uh, let me just read you the Scripture that we're reading from. It is in Luke 5, verse 37, and it says this. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. New wine representing the new thing God wants to do. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wine skins will be, the wine and the wine skins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wine skins. This is a, a wine skin that Pastor Paul showed us last week. And I just want to tell you, and this is what this ser- uh, series is about, is that God has got new wine for you. He's got something new. We know He has. He's always doing a new thing. Our responsibility is to carry it well. Our responsibility is to be the new wineskin, to say, God, last week was about this. We amen that you've got something new for us. Now we will refresh these areas of our life that we can now carry all that you have for us in our lives. Today, I wanna talk to you about two of the Fs and one of them is fitness. Yeah, they picked me to do it. And also, I wanna talk about friendships. Fitness and friendship. On the way here, I was praying for you, church, that more than my voice, as lovely as it is, that you would hear God's voice in this as we press refresh on some areas of our lives. First of all, fitness. I just wanna say this. In 2024, do not underestimate the power of looking after yourself. Don't underestimate it, church. God wants to do something in and through you, not just your spirit, but actually you. This is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6. It says, do you, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? 
You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. God doesn't wanna use you just, just despite your body. He wants to work in and through you. Your body was designed to carry His presence. The presence of God isn't found in a box that someone carries around. It's not housed in a building or even a book. The Holy Spirit resides in you. You are the carrier of the Holy Spirit. Don't underestimate the power of looking after yourself. You know, widely, um, it's widely considered that there's four key pillars to health. And I'll say health because um, I'm gonna talk, you're gonna hear me say health more than fitness because I think actually what we're talking about here is health. The problem is we didn't want four Fs and a H. We thought it wasn't as catchy. We were like, what can we do? Let's go with fitness. But really we're talking about health. And the four pillars of health that are kind of widely considered as pillars is eat well, I think they're gonna come up, move well, relax well, and sleep well. Don't underestimate the power of looking after yourself, church. Looking after yourself as a Christian isn't a vain pursuit, but it's taking responsibility for the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, we read in 1 Kings 19 about Elijah. And Elijah, at the time, he was the prophet, which means he basically is the voice of God. He was the man of power for the hour. And in Elijah 18, we read how he goes up against the prophets of Baal. You might remember the account where he says, let's you know, call, um, you speak to your God and get fire from heaven. I'll speak to the God. Uh, and get fire from heaven and you know, he taunts them. And there's this huge victory where he basically calls heaven. He says, God send fire and fire comes down and consumes the offering. He's a man of God, he's the prophet, he's brave, he's anointed, he's set apart. And yet in 1 Corinthians 19, this is where we find him. It says, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to uh, Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and he prayed that he may die. He said, I have had enough, Lord. Wow, Elijah, do you know who you are? You're like anointed, set apart. You've just done this huge thing for God, shown everybody how good God is. God's power has worked through you. Now God's got a new thing for you to do and He's got new wine for you. And yet you're saying, I've had enough. Kill me, Lord. Anyone prayed that prayer before? I have had enough, Lord. What did he need? In that moment, did he need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit? I know, maybe he needed, no, he needed another anointing. He needed to come forward, have another anointing. Maybe he needed more time in worship. What did he need? I love this because he didn't need those things. This is what it says in verse six. It says, at once the angel touched him. It said, get up. And Elijah, he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked on hot coals mm. and a jar of water. He ate and drank it and then laid down again to rest. What did he need? God said he gave him food and he gave 
him water and he gave him rest. Church, don't underestimate the power of looking after your physical self, refreshing your health at the beginning of the year to say, we amen God, you have something new for us and I will take responsibility for carrying it. You see, there's so much resource out there for the four pillars. Um, What I don't wanna do today is pretend I'm some sort of health guru because believe it or not, might shock you, but I'm not. I'm a pastor. And if you have something attached to the internet, you actually have all the resource of the world pretty much in your hand of how you eat well and move well and relax well and sleep well. Instead of giving you top tips this morning on how to do those things well, as your pastor, what I actually want to do is I want to pray for you that you would have a revelation of your worth so you can live in a conviction of your value. Because the truth is this, church, we will... We will eat well and we will move well and we will relax well and we will sleep well. We will look after ourselves and we will try to do that. If we have a revelation, which is the way we say, God, open my eyes to something that was always there, but I couldn't see. And then a conviction is when it drops into your heart and you are convinced, convinced of it, of your value. And actually you will find the resource that you need. So I'm gonna pray for you in a moment because we can talk about friendship next. But I'm gonna pray for you in a moment that God, would you help us understand that I was bought at a price, that I am not my own. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your holistic health actually plays a role in what God is wanting to do this year in your life, in your family, in your city. What I will give you though, as a top tip, is I just wanna tell you one thing that I do at the beginning of the year because it might help you. I wanna tell you about the power of habits. The power of habits. Um, at the beginning of each year, we've done this for quite a few years now, me and my husband spend the first two months, January and February, refreshing our habits in our lives. It's hard work at the beginning, but then it actually makes the other 10 months of the year easier. If you wanna change your life, actually starting by changing your habits and instilling some habits. So what I'm gonna do before I talk about friendship is I'm gonna give you on screen, I'm not gonna talk through them because we would literally be here till the 5.30 service, 16 habits that will change your life. I know, are you ready? You're gonna have to take a photo of them because I'm not gonna go through them, all right? 16 habits that will change your life in the pillars of health. Here they are, eat well. Take photos and I'll just stand here. These are my habits. Uh, I'm not gonna point out any of them. Eat well, next one. Here's some more habits, move well. I'll point out that one, little and often is better than loads and hardly ever. Don't go for a run once a month for 10 miles. Start by walking 10 minutes every day. Okay, next one. Relax well. I do wanna point out something on here. So take a photo. Practicing the circles of control and no control. So take a photo and I wanna show you a diagram. This so, it's, wow, I feel famous. <laughs> okay, this is the circles. Do you know half the stuff that we stress about, we do not have control over? When your head hits the pillow, I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I even in control of this? If the answer is yes, then it goes into the center of the circle. Do something about it. You'll have seen another one that's empty your head, practicing emptying your head before bed. 
That's when you get a notepad, you write down your to-do list, you write down all your concerns, and you go, right, well, nothing's gonna happen overnight about those things. So I might as well sleep. So put them in the circles of control, write all the stuff in the middle, this is what I need to change. This is what I need to sort out. Then you've got a circle of influence. These are your concerns where you might have some level of influence. Put stuff in there. Yeah, I can write, change it, maybe change it. But then the outside circle is no control over that. And as Christians, we don't just let it go into the atmosphere. We give it to God. Because when you are out of control, there is still somebody who is in control. So when you're thinking, I can't change my pay packet, I can't change my job, I don't know what to do, I can't change my husband, love you babe, I can't do that, I can't do that. You can also say, God, I let it go and I choose to relax because I know you are working on it. You do not slumber, you do not sleep. So I can, because you're always working on it. Okay, next one, final one of, is the final one? Yeah, sleep, there we go. Oh yeah, empty your, sorry, we only got to it and I gave it to you earlier. Empty your head. So empty your head before bed. I teach my children to do this. Empty your head before bed. Otherwise you do not sleep well because you're thinking about things that you're not gonna do anything about anyway while you're sleeping. Okay, have you took the photos of them? Fantastic. Last thing I just wanna give you just two books to read at the beginning of the year. I know it's super practical, but to do with fitness and health, if you put them up, they're the habits books. And these are incredible books to do with habits. Habits will change your life, okay? So these are great books to do with habits. One of the things that actually is great, and this is the link to the next thing, um, in terms of fitness, is get a friend that will hold you accountable to what you're doing. Don't just, in our journals, at the end of this, in these, in your fitness, I want you to write down maybe a habit or something you know that you, this year, I'm gonna refresh this, I'm gonna refresh a habit in, my fitness, in the area of fitness and health. And then tell a friend, because they will hold you accountable. And that moves me on to friendship. Refreshing our friendship. I wanna declare over you, Audacious Church, in a post-COVID, post-isolation world, a world full of follows and full of cancellations of people, I wanna declare over us as a church that 2024 is gonna be a year of life-giving friendship. You are gonna find life-giving friendship. You're gonna find community. God has a plan for you and it involves you being known and loved by friends. God has a plan for you and the outworking of His plan, the fresh new wine actually involves you being in community. Acts, the Acts Church in the Bible, which was the original church, the Acts Church are the best example of community to us. It's the best example of great friendship. When I read it, I think this is what I want. In Acts 2, it says this, this is inspiring us today. And we're gonna look at this um, for the next few minutes together. Acts 2 verse 44, it says, all the believers were together and have everything in common. Do you remember when we couldn't even be together? You had to like Zoom people, it was awful. They saw properties and processions giving to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. How attractive is that sort of community? Added to their number daily. What a community, what friendship. They were a strong community. They had no one who had need. They actually enjoyed being together. 
This is the friendship that God has in store for us. I wanna tell you that friendship isn't just for the elite. It's not just for some people who get to find a best friend. It is for everybody and it is God's plan for your life. We're gonna come back to that Scripture in a moment. Today is my daughter's 11th birthday. Imogen, I know. Lots of you knew her from like tiny, tiny baby. She's 11. I do not know where these years have gone. But we've been talking this week because she's heading towards high school. Oh my goodness. She's heading towards high school. It's okay, God's got it. And so we were talking about the way that you make friends and it actually made me think about the process of becoming friends with people. This is what my props are for. You see, the first part of friendship, this is the chit-chat, the sage. Okay, so chit-chat across the fence, or maybe it's the end of the desk, or maybe for us, it's like at the end of the service, your chit-chat stage. You spend half the conversation thinking, what's your name? What is your name, buddy, mate, pal? Um, Worse when you meet them, isn't it terrible when you meet somebody outside the context you know them in? I am so sorry if you have met me in Sainsbury's and you said, Pastor Hannah, and I'm like, hi, mate. I know faces and I'll remember, honestly, I'll remember all the details of your life, but I will not remember your name. This is the chit-chat phase. It's like, hey, how you doing? It's good. It's kind of after church, at the end of your um, desk at work, at the end of your drive with your neighbours. This is the hangout stage. This is like when you've gone past the chit-chat stage, you know their name, you've got their number. And you hang out, you hang out at a coffee shop, you put time in to actually see one another. And then there's another level of friendship, a deeper level of friendship, when you invite them to your house, like they come into your environment. You're like making them coffee, you're there, you're hanging out. I love this stage, when you can sit with them and be with them. I love having people at my house. What I don't love so much is when people, you know when they text you saying, I'm just popping around, I'll be 10 minutes. Because you know you've got to do the mad dash tidy up. Do you know what that is? You're all like, no, my house is spotless all the time. It is not. The mad dash tidy up is when I've got three kids and a dog and a husband. The order, I, I did it in order of who's um, the messiest. Okay, anyway, and you're like, you know, you're a mom, so you're like, there's a pair of socks and then there's a homework book and a pan, and that's the front room. And then you're like, trying to, and you grab all this stuff and you, you, do you know what you do? You pick it all, you, put, you pick everything up and you put it in the everything thing. Which if you're, it's like a drawer, if you're a couple, you just have a drawer, right? And you're like, it all fits in there, bless you. Then you have kids and it becomes a cupboard. Then you have more than one kid, it's a room. You're like, stick it in there and you shut the door. And my house could look pristine to you, but there is one door that is shut. Do not open that door. You will die, okay? Because we stick everything in there, because let's face it, there's stuff that we don't want people to see because you're not sure what they'll think of you. So you stick it away in the everything drawer. See, the problem is though with friendship, with the process of becoming friends, is to move from one level of friendship to the next level of friendship, and then from this level of friendship to this level of friendship, it takes the same thing in between. It takes a new level of vulnerability. 
The truth is this, that you can measure the depth of your friendship based on how much of the real you you show them. How much of the real you can someone see? Because let's face it, there's things that we don't want them to see. Because we're not sure what they're gonna think. I reckon we all have in our hearts an everything drawer or an everything room where we stick everything away that we don't want people to see. Our fears, our shame, our past, that thing that we did, but also our dreams and our desires because we're not sure what other people are gonna think about me. And what happens with that is in our friendship, we get stuck, we kind of stall in the chit chat zone. Surface, but safe. But God never intended us to live there. God wanted us to have deep relationships. See, what we can have when we kind of stall in the chit-chat zone is instead of a group of friends, that Acts Church that we just read about, where we are, we are with our friends and we've got a group of friends, we actually can have a crowd of acquaintances. A crowd of people who maybe even think they know you, but you know they don't know you because of the everything room. And I've lived in this place before and this is what I wrote it down. This is what it made me feel like. A crowd of acquaintances can make you feel seen because you're there, but not known. Counted, but not connected. Notice, but if you're honest, you don't really feel needed. I've learned that acquaintances, they can't be there for you when you're struggling because they just don't know that you're struggling. They can't be there when you're fearful because they don't know that you're fearful. They also can't be there when your dreams are coming through and they're cheering you on because they just don't know. You see, God, in Genesis 2, and we're gonna come back to Acts in a minute, but in Genesis 2, He created and He created and it's a great, it's an amazing account of the creation of the world and He created and He said it's good and then He created and He said it's good. He created and He said it's good and then He actually created something that He then looked at and said, oh, that's not good. And it was the first time He saw somebody alone. And he said, that's not how I've designed you. I've not designed you. It's not good for you to be alone. God wants you to be known like He knows you. He wants you to be connected to not only Him, but His people in friendship. And He wants you to know, church, today, because He has a purpose that He's placed in you, new wine in you, that you are actually needed. I need you. The church needs you. Vulnerability was the key to the Acts church. It was the key to their friendships and their relationships. The Acts church were known, they were connected and needed. Band, you can join me because in a minute we're gonna worship God and we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray about your value and living and the conviction of knowing that. And also we're gonna pray about being vulnerable. See what vulnerability does, it'll achieve three things in your life. The first thing that vulnerability will achieve in your life is it will break isolation. 
That's what vulnerability does. Acts 2, it says this about um, this incredible group of friends. Let's say it like that. It's a new first church with an incredible group of friends. It says in Acts 2, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You know what being sincere means? This is what the definition is. Free from pretense and deceit. They weren't just together, they were honest. They were together and they were honest. Do you know the enemy of your soul? He isn't actually that bothered about you being with people. You can be together. He just doesn't want you honest. He wants you to feel isolated. I have learned that loneliness has very little to do with being alone and has a lot to do with not being known. The enemy is not bothered if you're with people. He just wants you to feel like you're not known. Honesty, honesty and our vulnerability, it breaks isolation because it pushes back the what will they think if I show them this. It disarms the enemy. And it says to someone, I don't know what you're gonna think, but will you come in here with me? Because I feel alone in this stuff, because it's not known. My five-year-old daughter is scared of going into her bedroom when the light's off by herself. Something amazing happens when she holds my hand and we walk together into her bedroom and we switch on the light. I say, look, it's not as scary as you think. Do you know what that's what vulnerability does? When you actually open that everything room in your life and says, this is pretty scary for me. And you sit with someone and say, well, you switch on the light and that person says, see, it's not as scary as you think. It breaks isolation. The other thing that vulnerability does is it brings strength. In Acts Church, it's amazing. It says all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold their property to give to those who had need. In Acts 4, it continues to talk about this incredible friendship group. It says, no one claimed that any of the possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. And then it says this incredible thing in verse 34. It says, there was no needy person amongst them. Nobody was in need. So there was a need and then there was no need. What happened in the middle? Now, as Christians, we often use this passage to talk about generosity because it's the right thing to be generous. But today I want to point out to you that actually two things must have happened. Generosity, yes, but also somebody said, I have a need. Someone was vulnerable enough to create a community where there is no need. Someone was vulnerable enough to say, I have a need. In fact, what came first? The generosity or the vulnerability, I would suggest it was the generosity. Vulnerability gets a bad rap. It says, uh, people say in this, in this um, society, hide your weakness and look strong. But vulnerability knows that actually if I bring it to friends, they can bring strength to it. Vulnerability will bring strength. A moment of what feels like exposure can bring you into the freedom and the strength that you desire. And the last thing I just wanna highlight that vulnerability does, and it really dovetails into this 
strength building point is vulnerability builds unity. It says this, Paul, Paul talks in the Bible about the fact that we all have strengths and weaknesses. If you're like, oh, I don't have any weaknesses. You must have buried that so far in your shutting the door, everything thing. We all have strengths and weaknesses. And in 2 Corinthians 19, Paul even biblically shows us that everybody has strengths and weaknesses. He says this, but he said to me, God speaking to Paul, he said to me, my grace is sufficient to you for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, Paul speaking, I boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ might rest on me. For the sake of Christ, for the sake of the new wine, for the sake of Christ and all He wants to achieve through me, I am content in my weakness, insult, hardship and persecution and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul shows us that we all have strengths and weaknesses. And there's actually power in the vulnerability of acknowledging that. Let me show you what I mean. Will you just put your journals down and stand to your feet? We're gonna pray anyway. And we, you know, we're gonna stand to our feet. Let me explain what this Scripture in 2 Corinthians, it means. I want you to hold out your right hand. And in your right hand, I want you to think about your strengths. Everyone's doing it. You don't need to feel silly. Just hold out your right hand. It's an illustration. Your strengths. I want you to think about your strengths. If you don't know what they are, they're the things you bring to the table. They're the things you know that you're good at. Maybe you just think, well, I don't know, I'm kind, I guess. Think about your strengths and I want you to close them and put it down by your side. Then your other hand, I want you to think about your weaknesses. They're the things we're not so proud of. For some of you, I'll have to open that door of the everything door in your heart and kind of bring a few things out there. You don't even like looking at them or thinking about them. Thinking, okay, my weaknesses, things I'm not very good at, things maybe I should be as a Christian better at, the things I don't really talk about because I don't like to think about them. Close it and put it down. Now the two Corinthians scripture, Paul is teaching us to do this. God, I give you my strengths, my gifts, my abilities. I give you my strengths, but not only do I give you my strengths, I give you my weaknesses. Come on church, lift up your hands. Let's take a moment right now to do what Paul said. He practices this, God, I give you my strength, everything I'm proud of, everything I know you've made me good at. But right now I take a moment to give you my weaknesses. When you lift up your hands in worship, whether at home or at church, I want you to remember this is what you're doing. You're saying, God, I offer you my strengths for everything you can use them for. And Lord God, I pray with your spirit and your power, come and rest on my weaknesses. You will make me strong. This is the 2 Corinthians Scripture. That's what it's teaching us. But now the Acts 2 Scripture about vulnerability, building unity. This is what the the Acts 2 Scripture is. And I hope you're okay just to do this for a moment. I know it's a bit weird, right? But I want you to hold hands with the person next to you. I know you don't know them and it's a bit weird, but just go with it for a moment. 2 Corinthians is lifting them up to God. 
too is saying, my strength in your weakness and my weakness in your strength because I know my vulnerability breeds unity. We stand as one. The Bible says they were together in Acts, they were together in one heart. Their vulnerability says, your fight is my fight. Your battle is my battle. Your victory is my victory. Your triumph is my triumph. Your need is my need. My resource is your resource. As one, Romans 12 puts it this way, we will rejoice with those who rejoice and we will mourn with those who mourn. What does vulnerability do? It builds unity. It makes us move as one. So we're gonna pray right now. And we're gonna pray for value and for worth. You can let go of the hands next to you for a moment, unless you kinda like them and you're like, wanna be my best friend? <laughs> Behave. But we're gonna pray. And I'm gonna pray for a fresh revelation of your worth, that you would live in a conviction of your value. It wouldn't be top tips to change your life, but it would be a deep conviction that I matter. Your fitness matters actually because in friendship you're needed. So I'm gonna pray for that. And I'm also gonna pray that God's perfect love drives out fear. Vulnerability is scary. And you may have an experience where you've said, hey, can I put, I need to show you something. I just, and it was a bad experience. And someone did reject you. And I'm sorry if that has happened. But I'm gonna pray that God's perfect love would drive out that fear that stalls you here looking at what you desire, looking at what you know you want, and that you will cast out all fear. And what His love does is He actually, it just makes you realise, God, I can trust You. First You, then people. So with every eye shut, come on, lift up your hands, church. We're just gonna take a moment. Lord God, I pray right now for church. I pray right now, Lord God, that You would give us a fresh revelation. Open our eyes, God, to see a value and our worth. Lord God, I pray Your perfect love would drive out all fear right now. In Jesus' Name, drive it out. Fear of vulnerability, fear of friendships, in Jesus' Name. Just with every eye shut and put your hands down for just a moment. I just wanna pray for one more group of people. You're here and you're saying, I have never made God, this God that you speak of, my God. But now I realise actually at the beginning of the year that I either need to reconnect with Him because I've walked away from Him. Or this is the first time I'm saying, I don't know everything, but Hannah, just something resonates with me. That this is the life out there that God has for me, He's designed for me. And I want to connect with Him today. All we're gonna do is, and I'm gonna include you in a prayer. It's not gonna expose you, but I am gonna count to three. And at three, I just want you to put your hand in the air to say, yeah, that's me. So one, 
You've never said this prayer. This is the first time and you're saying, I want to connect with God. You're not joining a church, you're connecting with your Maker. Two, you're saying, I'm coming back to Him at the beginning of the year, I'm gonna get my life right with God. Three, who's that? Just pop your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, I wanna connect with you. Yeah, I can see your hand down there. See your hand back there. See your hand over there. See your hand over there. Who else? Come on, lift up your hands. This is your moment at the beginning of 2024. I'm coming back to God and bringing my life back in line with God. Oh, your first time. You're not joining a club. You're connecting with a person who loves you, knows you. Come on, church, we're gonna say this prayer together. I'm gonna say a line and then you say a line. And for those people that put their hand in the air, the whole of church is gonna help you. But this is for you to say this right now, to connect with God. Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that You are real. I can see now that You love me. I know I'm not perfect and I've made mistakes. But right now I ask for Your forgiveness. I believe that You took my place when You died and when You rose from the dead. I want to stop living my way and invite You into my life. I want to trust and follow You as my Lord and Saviour. From now on, my life is Yours and I want to live for You. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Come on church, that was the best decision that you could possibly make to connect with God. And if that was you, whether or not you you were one of the many people who lifted their hands or you kind of didn't lift your hand, but you really know that you said that prayer. In a minute, Pastor Rafara is gonna come and tell you how just, what the next steps are. I wanna give you like some practical next steps. I wanna give you a gift as well. But church, I wanna encourage you at the beginning of this book, the journal, I wanna encourage you to do what I said about the fitness, the health. I want you to put that there. I want you to tell someone, say, help me keep myself accountable. And then the friendship bit, Audacious Church, we have a little like secret, it's a surprise. We have ready-made friendship groups for you. You're like, what? I didn't know about these. They're called small groups. They're groups of people who gather from church around where you live. Or maybe it's just around something that you like doing together. You just found somebody who say, hey, I'll be in your small group. If you're part of a small group, if you're not part of a small group, in the friendship bit, I want you to write, join a small group. These are small groups that are basically set up, ready for us to say, hey, I'm kind of here. Try and remember the names. I'm kind of here and I wanna be there. And everyone's in the group kind of saying, me too. It's the easiest environment to say, shall we be friends? Can we connect? And hopefully you will find somebody in a small group that you can say, look, I'm gonna be your friend. You're gonna be mine. Let's, let's be real with one another. If you're part of a small group, already part of a small group, I just want you to remember who, what and when. Who am I talking to? Who am I saying, this is the real me. Let me tell you what's going on, which is the what. What are you gonna tell them? What actually, after today, Maybe even now after the service, you need to fire off a text message. Hey, remind me to tell you something. You're keeping yourself accountable by doing that. I need to tell you something. And the when, doesn't happen by accident. Adults, time with friends doesn't happen by accident. You have to put the time in to say, I'm gonna meet you at a coffee shop. 
And then because you've texted them, they'll be like, what are you gonna tell me? And you're like, boop, here we go, gotta tell them anyway. This is a year where to do not underestimate looking after yourself. And come on, let's make a year of friendship, vulnerable, life-giving friendship. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Thank you for listening to this Audacious Podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com.